Hello Life Changers, thank you so much for joining us. We have got an amazing word for you, so why don't you lean in, grab a notebook and pen, and get ready for what God has to say to you today. Twas the night before Christmas, and all through Cape Town, we were waiting for Santa, but mostly for ISCOM Stage 4 to come down. Forget Rudolph, the elves, and even the dream of a light dusting of snow, none of these mattered too much when the power grid is running low. Temperatures are soaring, and to the beach we'll be a-heading. You can keep your white Christmas. We'll take one with no lead shedding. Boney M's Christmas carols don't quite work in this African heat, but dropping them all makes a Christmas feel incomplete. So I propose some Capetonian changes to the festive songs we sing. These will make us more jolly, more than the day we first got Burger King. Change Christmas tree to Table Mountain, and the word snow to rain. Trade mince pies for KFC, and we'll start to feel cheerful once again. Switch Santa's workshop to Canal Walk, and the North Pole to Table Bay Mall, and we'll exchange jingle bells, jingle bells, for a plain old rugby ball. Swap reindeers for stormers, but I think we'll keep the mistletoe. I still take any excuse to lean in and kiss my frau. It's a pleasure. Though the petrol price is up and the interest rates are bringing us pain, England might have the white Christmas, but at least we beat them at rugby again. It was the night before Christmas, and though our economy goes further in debt, here at Life Changes Church, this will still be the best Christmas yet. Come on. My name is Gabe Phillips, and I'm married to the beautiful Fiona, dad to two amazing redhead munchkins, and I get to be a pastor at what I consider to be the greatest church in the world, Life Changes Church, people. Come on. And uh, I love everything about Christmas so much that actually we've uh, installed a secret mistletoe in the roof. So if you are married right now, you could underneath mistletoe. Why don't you lean in, lean out in right now if you're married. Give, give her a kiss. Come on. Come on. Give her a kiss. If you're single, just smile and look ahead. Smile and look ahead, people. But we, we love everything about Christmas. I love it all. I'm in on everything. I love the carols. I love the song and dance. But I am, I'm always perplexed by that one carol. There's one carol that I don't understand. It's a carol that starts off by saying, silent night, holy night, all was calm, all was bright. It's perplexed me because I go, the person who wrote that carol has no understanding of children at all. Or the birthing process, uh, to say the least. Because I, I haven't had a silent night for the last five years. So, since my children were born, every single night follows a similar routine of, uh, Dad, come tuck me in. Uh, please, I'm, I'm too hot. I'm too cold. It's too dark. It's too light. Tell me a story. I need to go to the toilet. And that's even just the night when Mark Van Pearson comes to sleep over. But let me tell you, let me tell you that, that even if I rewind three years to our young, youngest boy, Benjamin's birth, I remember that night, and that night was anything but silent. There was, there was screaming, there was crying, and that was just me on the way to the hospital. But then we got there, and there was, there was, there was emergency seek sections, there was epidurals, there was this flash of gorgeous red hair, and then we heard Benji cry. That first beautiful cry that broke the silence that night, and we have not sat in silence for a moment ever since then. Silent night, all this calm, all this bright, makes no sense for me, people. It makes no sense. It might be nostalgic, but no, it has no uh, truth and reality, because I really believe 
that tonight, maybe you are sitting here. You've been dragged by a friend. You've been, you've been duped by the family member. You've been given the promise of that mince pie at home. If you come to church and we tick this off the list, or maybe this is your ritual. This is what you do. And you come to church week in and week out. No matter. I really believe that, that God wants to break through the silence tonight. The perceived silence that you feel that God is holding out on you. Because I think beneath the tinsel, the smiles, the Christmas veneer, us singing happily, a silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright. The truth of our hearts is all is chaos, all is torment, all is rejection, all is pain, all is resentment, all is grief. And we're just trying to make it through the holidays. And I want to tell you tonight, this is the truth that I want to speak clearly. It's the most simple truth, but I believe the most life-changing truth is that God does not want to be silent on you this Christmas. If you have ears to hear, he will speak truth to your heart tonight. So I want to take us through this narrative because this was the backdrop of the Christmas story. You see, the Bible is so beautifully put together. There's the Old Testament, and then there's the New Testament. But right in between the middle is this one page, a blank page in your Bible, my Bible, that's been inserted there that's separating the two Testaments. But from the end of Malachi to the start of Matthew's Gospel represents 400 years. 400 years and what the people call, the scholars call the intertestimonial period, but what people more colloquially call the silent years, where it seemed like God had gone silent on the people of God. They long await for the Messiah. They thought they lived in a perpetual silent night, and everything wasn't calm or bright. They were under Roman occupation, and they thought their hopes were getting dashed and getting dimmer and dimmer. They longed and longed and thought maybe God has forgotten us. God has gone silent on us. But this is an incredible reality. God was not silent. I, I choose to believe that he wasn't not speaking. It's just that the people had stopped listening. And I believe that's also the truth for us here today in our day and age. Because you see, in the Old Testament, there's over 350 specific prophecies about Jesus and his life and his death. And Jesus in his life and his death fulfilled every single one of them. What's more, 50 of those pertain to his birth. The place, the, 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 the how, the why, the what about his birth. And Jesus fulfilled all those. So God had not been silent on how the Messiah would come and what it would look like and where it would take place. But the people had got, got duped by this apparent silence of God that he was holding out on them, that they missed the miracle happening in, the midst, in their midst. And this is a crazy story. You see, the story takes place firstly with a young lady called Mary, who the people would have seen and they would treat her as a young woman from a backward town called Nazareth with a crazy story of an immaculate conception. And they would have just disregarded her because she in every facet, shape, and form was disqualified. Nazareth actually means, that the word Nazareth means separated. It's a backwater town that no good thing comes from Nazareth was the colloquial saying of the day. That actually Nazareth was a punchline to a joke that that place and that girl, they were disqualified. And people were just like, no, not from Nazareth. That's God never really spoke much about that area. But this is the reality. God had spoken in Isaiah 7 verse 14. It said this, Look, the virgin shall conceive a child, and she shall name him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Even over their apparent disqualification, God was not silent over it. And I want to tell you and I here today, over our apparent disqualification, God is not silent. The story goes on and takes place as Mary and Joseph go to have the baby born in a town called Bethlehem. And Bethlehem, which means house of bread, house of provision, suddenly becomes a house of disappointment. Because when they get there, they find that all the Airbnbs are full. They find all their relatives are blue ticking them. 
and nobody seems to have any concern for their plight that she's nine months pregnant and about to give birth to a child. But it's in that backdrop, in a place of disappointment, of where they're probably saying, how, how can people just forget about us here in this moment that we realize God has spoken into that place as well? You see, Michael 5 verse 2 said, But you, O Bethlehem, are only a small village among all the people of Judah. Yet a ruler will come from you, one whose origins are from the distant past. I want to tell you succinctly this evening that no matter what your disappointment is declaring over you after this year, the disappointment of a spouse rejecting you, the disappointment of a job falling through, the disappointment of a visa not coming through, a disappointment of your life and your midlife, you're looking going, how far have I come or how little have I done? Friends deserting you. I want to tell you over your disappointment, God is not silent. He sees, he hears, and he wants to speak truth into that tonight. You see then, there's this crazy scenario we read of this a despot a dictator named Herod who's so insecure about the Messiah's birth that he issues a decree that every firstborn must die and what takes place is this mass genocide and now you might go mass genocide don't talk about that on Christmas Eve all is calm all is bright but I told you there's no such thing as silent night it's all chaos it's just like the real life we live in here like your torment like our political situations like our chaos Herod kills all these firstborns, and it comes to a place called Ramah, where a great cry of the people of God, the women, are crying out in the midst of the celebration of Jesus' birth on one hand. On the other hand, at the same moment, were a bunch of weeping women and weeping families whose actually dreams and destinies were coming chaotically around them, crashing down at the hands of a dictator. And in that moment, you realize, had, had God gone silent on those ladies, on those families, but I want to tell you, even that was not outside of God's grasp. You see, he had even prophesied about that. In Jeremiah 31 verse 15, he said, A cry was heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning. Rachel weeps for her children, refusing to be comforted because they are all dead. I'm here to tell you tonight, push past the tinsel and the decorations and the bony M carols, to tell you that actually in your pain, in your grief, in your moment where you feel nobody else understands and you smile and it feels like everyone after the funeral, after the, that moment of chaos has moved on and the silence about that pain, God is not silent about your pain. He knows. He hears. And then the story goes because of this, that the angel of the Lord took Mary and Joseph and Jesus to keep them in safety away from Herod for a time in a place called Egypt. Now Egypt was the greatest place of Israel's def greatest defeat. A place where 430 years of slavery, that was the, 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 the culmination of their slavery was found in a place called Egypt. So Mary and Joseph were going to a place of absolute death where every they look, where looks around was reminders of their, their forebearers and the, the disaster that happened to them and slavery. It's like taking a Jew now to a place where the Holocaust happened and say you must find safety there. But it's in that place that God protected them in the place of the shadow of their greatest defeat. God protected them there. And I want to remind us in this moment, because in Hosea chapter 11, verse 1, even that was prophesied. That moment, that moment of detour, that moment of standing in the shadow of death, and that moment standing in the shadow of defeat was prophesied. He said, God said, out of Egypt, I will bring my son. And it's in that incredible moment, so I tell you tonight that when your defeat has become the loudest thing the enemy declares over you again and again and again, God is not silent about that. Here's the great news for you and I. I really believe that the whole story of the Bible actually was never ultimately 
about our disqualification. It was never ultimately about our disappointment, about our deepest distress or our greatest defeat. No, the Bible is always has been and always will be about Jesus. And Jesus has not just arrived on the scene in the book of Matthew. Actually, the book of Matthew in the Gospels, God has always been shouting that Jesus is the main point. The Redeemer, the Savior has always been the main point. You see, in Genesis, He's the seed of the woman. In Exodus, He's the Passover lamb. In Leviticus, He's our high priest. In Numbers, Jesus was the cloud by day and the fire by night. In Deuteronomy, He was our prophet unto the like of Moses. This incredible man named Jesus and Joshua was the captain of our salvation. In Judges, He's our judge and our defender. In Ruth, He's the kinsman redeemer. In First and Second Samuel, He's the anointed one. In the book of Kings and Chronicles, he's the reigning king. He's the incredible one. He's the man in Ezra. He's our, he's our faithful scribe. In Nehemiah, he's the rebuilder of the walls. In Esther, he's the one who stands in our defense. In the book of Job, he's our day spring on high. In Psalms, he's the Lord, our shepherd. In Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, he's our wisdom. In Song of Songs, he's the lover of our souls. In Isaiah, he's the prince of peace. In Jeremiah, he's the righteous branch. In Lamentations, he's the weeping prophet. In Ezekiel, he's the four-faced man of glory. In Daniel, he's the fourth man in the fire who stands beside us. This is who Jesus is. He's in every single book. In Hosea, he's our faithful husband. When everyone else betrays us and leaves us for dead, he's the one who stands beside us. This incredible man named Jesus Christ is on every single page. On Joel, he's the baptizer of the Holy Ghost and fire. In Amos, he's our burden bearer. In Obadiah, he's mighty to save. In, in, in this incredible man named Jesus in every single area, this is who he is. In Jonah, he's our great missionary from on high. In Micah, he's the one who's, who's the messenger who brings us the good news. In Nahum, he's the avenger of God's elect. In Habakkuk, in Habakkuk, he's the sustainer of our souls. In Zephaniah, he's mighty to save. In Haggai, he's our restorer. In Zechariah, he's the fountain that's opened up deep and wide for the remission of sins. And in Malachi, he's the son of righteousness who rises with salvation in his wings. Jesus was never a sideline story. Jesus was never the silent issue that surfaces the baby. Jesus always was, always will be, and is the full story. And this is the incredible reality when we turn on the page, on the silence, we turn to the Gospels. I want to tell you, this is the great news for you and I. That out of our perceived silence, into our disqualification, into our disappointment, into our defeat, into our deepest distress, unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And he shall be called Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, Wonderful Counselor, and the, the, the government will be on his shoulders and the increase of his kingdom will know no end. This is an incredible reality that at that moment when Jesus was born, it was not no silent night. Let me tell you, all of heaven exploded with joy. Glory, glory to God in the highest. Every demonic power and principality shook and trembled in absolute terror as, as man and, and angels and demonic and principalities and powers alike joined to the chorus that the king, God, had become a man. God had become a man. And this is so huge because he became a man not just to meet us in our sin, but to ultimately become our sin. He became a man not just to identify with our pain, but ultimately save us from our pain. And even as I mentioned the word sin, I want to tell you the world has gone silent on that word. Churches around the world don't mention that word sin. It's the silent one. Don't talk about that. But I want to tell you we need to talk about that reality because you and I, our saved salvation is not in I need a new job. 
Your salvation is not in, I need a new spouse. Your salvation is not, I need some time off, or I need a new country. Your salvation is not in, I need to find my true me. Your salvation is to be saved from your sin by a Savior. And I want to tell us at Christmas, my own heart, that Jesus came not just to be born, but to ultimately die. You see, on Golgotha, Christ became our disqualification. Christ became our disappointment. Christ became our deepest, deepest distress. Christ became our greatest defeat. He became our sin. He became our death. And on that moment, as he cleared out his last breath, as he said, it is finished. For the first and only time in all of history, eternally went silent. The only time in the Bible we're told that heaven is silent is when Jesus died. And I want to tell you tonight that Jesus was naked and bloodied when he came out the womb. And naked and bloodied, he then went into the tomb. The beautiful bookends of the story is this, that Jesus embraced the silence of heaven so that you and I never have to. Let me say that again. Jesus embraced the silence of heaven so that you and I never have to. See, the only thing that silences the voice of the enemy, the only thing, is the blood of Jesus. And this Christmas, I'm not here to tell you about the cute and cuddly Christmas story. I'm here to declare about the Christmas glory. That God became a man. That the Son of God became the Son of men so that sons of men might become the sons of God. This is my hope, my only hope. This is our only hope. And let me tell you, this is the reality tonight that I want to declare over you. That God is not silent on us. Maybe it's we're just not listening. So I'm going to pray. Tonight, I believe, is a moment because the Bible says that all of heaven is poised over these moments. When, when one sinner turns in repentance, the Bible tells us there's a great eruption of celebration in heaven. Heaven is not silent for a moment, but they're leading in with holy anticipation. Will my sons and daughters this Christmas choose not religion, not choose not just formula, not just choose, I'm just going through the road to experience that for the first time or the hundredth time, People who are stuck in their sins. People who are stuck in depression. People stuck in anxiety. I believe the power of the word is this. Jesus says, I'm here to set you free. This is the reality for you and I. And here's the incredible thing. I'm going to pray in a moment. And I'm going to ask you to do something simple. And I'm not doing this just as some end of a sermon thing. This is not some charismatic speak. This is not a way a preacher ends a meeting. This is for me preaching to my own heart. Will you respond to Jesus afresh? And I believe there's some people here who have been stuck in a place where their deepest, deepest distress, and they think God has been silent on that. They've been stuck in a place of dark disappointment. God's been silent. I want to tell you, heaven is not silent. Will you choose to open your eyes, open your heart, and allow Him to speak life into that place again? I'm going to count to three. Why don't we close our eyes? I'm going to count to three. I'm going to ask you to respond by lifting your hands. And on the basis of that simple response, I believe God is going to meet you by the power of His Spirit. But I want to tell you, the Bible says that if you acknowledge Him in this life, He will not be silent about you in the next. There is no silent night when we stand before the Father. He says, well done, good and faithful servants. Enter into my joy. And I believe that starts tonight. So I'm going to count one, two, three. Every eye closed, if that's you, why don't you lift your hand if you need me to pray for you. Father, I thank you right now as these hands go up symbolizing a people who are desperate for you. We don't want religion. 
We don't want status quo. We don't want to walk in and leave the same. We don't want to walk in carrying the burdens, but leave carrying the same burdens. Father, we come and want to meet with Jesus. And I pray as hands go up, God, as they symbolically representing lives surrendered. I pray right now, Spirit of the living God, come and set your people free. From the place of disqualification, set your people free. From the deep disappointment, set your people free. From the place of deepest distress, of the greatest defeat, of the darkest stain of the enemy upon their hearts, I pray, set your people free. I thank you right now, this is no silent night. This is a night of great celebration, of great joy, as Jesus starts to work miracles in people's hearts. The way maker, the miracle worker, Jesus, you are working. I thank you, Father, right now I declare the Son of God became the Son of Man so that sons of men might become the sons of God. Why don't we stand to our feet? This Christmas, I feel as God is working in our hearts and reminding us that His message has always been and always will be Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. That we've got no other option but to worship Him. Why don't we lift our hands to our King tonight? We don't want to remain silent as we come face to face with Jesus. Father, right now, we worship you. We worship you, Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the one who was, who is, and is to come, the God who became a man so that men might become the sons of God. I thank you, Father, right now in this room, you're reminding us of your goodness, your greatness, and we choose to worship you. We refuse to remain silent. We choose to give you the praise that you deserve. We choose to exalt your name and say, Jesus, you are the reason for the season, but you're the reason for every day, every breath, every moment. You have not forgotten us. You have not forsaken us. You have not left us alone. You have sent your son to make us home in us. And I thank you, Father God, by your spirit, raise us to life, the fullness of life this Christmas. We thank you, Jesus, that you're alive and we worship you tonight. We come and adore the King of Kings tonight. Thank you so much for joining us. If you'd like to take your next step or find out what is happening in the life of the church, head over to our website or follow us on social media. Cheers.